Let's, uh, let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Big surprise. Hebrews chapter 11. Um, <clears throat> we are now three weeks into this series where we've been looking at this concept of what it is to live by faith. You know, in the church, I was thinking about this earlier this week. We have this like Christianese, right? This, this language where we say things like, man, you just need to trust God in this. Just let Jesus take the wheel. Thanks, Carrie Underwood. We appreciate that. How, did that, how do you get away with such a cheesy statement? She made millions off that thing. But what does it look like to trust in God in all things? What we believe changes how we live. Our, our faith changes the way we think. It changes the way that we speak. It changes the way that we see the world around us and even the path that we walk upon. And so we've been looking at this chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews. We're going to continue doing so as we look at this list of example after example after example of these men and women that did just that. They lived what they believed. They lived their lives in every sense of the word by faith. And what we've been doing in this series is just asking, what does that teach us? What does that teach us about how we live by our faith. So this morning, we're going to turn to just two verses. I'm going to read verse 1, and then we'll read verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews 11. And today, we get to meet one of the most mysterious men in all of Scripture. He's only mentioned three times in the Bible. Uh, those of you who are in Bible Study Fellowship, you've already become acquainted with this man. His name is Enoch. And here's what I want you to know about Enoch. Um, if you haven't met Enoch before, here's, this is the only thing we're going to talk about this morning. Enoch didn't just walk or talk the talk of faith. This is what we're going to learn. Enoch walked the walk. So we're going to study this together and, um, and then think about what this means for our own journey with God. So let's turn now. Hebrews 11, we're going to read verses 1 and then 5, 6 to 7. Hear now God's word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken, he was commanded or commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. You know, every time that I think about this man named Enoch, I, I can't not help but daydream what it would be like to be him. What would it be like to just be taken up, skip death, and live forever? I came across an article this week that just blew my mind. It was all about the advancements of medicine and the latest, uh, the latest increases in life expectancy worldwide. And this article talked about how from the 1500s to the 19th century, the average life expectancy worldwide was just 30 years old. So let that soak in. 1500s to the 19th century, 30 years was the ceiling of your life. For centuries, that, that number hardly changed. It just sort of sat there bouncing around on the timeline, stagnant. Of course, we know why. We hardly knew germ theory or, or uh, infectious disease or bacteria. But with the Enlightenment and just in the last 200 years, we've now doubled, more than doubled, our life expectancy. In fact, until the pandemic, worldwide, the average life expectancy across the globe was just over 70 years old. 
Now just think about this. To give you an idea of how recent this is, if you go back just 100 years to the, the time of our grandparents, our great-grandparents, the average life expectancy, even in the early 1900s, was just 50 years. That means at 25 years old, you were having a midlife crisis. At this rate, some scientists believe that in the next century, we could live upwards of 150 years on this planet. Can you imagine living to be 150? 80 is the new 40? I mean, it's an interesting thought. There's two people, though, within the pages of God's word who we are told had a life expectancy that never expired. Their names were Enoch and the prophet Elijah. And it's interesting, you know, you can find stories of Elijah throughout the scriptures. But when it comes to Enoch, as I said, God's word gives us almost nothing, minuscule. But our lesson, for some reason, takes this obscure name from all the way back in this lineage in Genesis plucks him out and makes him famous. You ever seen a, a movie that starts like at the end scene and then it walks you back through the plot in order to keep your attention? You ever seen one of those? Like it starts with someone on their deathbed and they're, they're saying their last words and, and now the rest of the movie just begins to piece the, the, puzzle, the, the puzzle together and start revealing these new things until it comes full circle, right? That's kind of how our passage reads. Look at this again in verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. I love this part. This is like, where's Waldo? Right? Like, where did Enoch go? I don't know. Well, he was just here. I don't know where he went. He was out on his prayer. What, what do you mean you don't know where he went? I don't, I don't know. It just one minute he was there, the next minute he's gone. God was taking him. He was not found. God took him, we're told, for he was commended as having pleased the Lord. Now, if you're an optimist, I, I think there's a question here that needs to be asked, and that is, how does one please God in such a way that you get to escape death and live forever? It's a question worth pondering, right? Our passage, as I said, actually points us all the way back to Genesis 5.22. This is what we're told. Look at this on the screens. It says, Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. You thought 150 was something to marvel at. And then we're told a second time, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. What does it look like to live by that kind of faith? God's word tells us really the only thing that we need to know about this man's life. And it's, it's actually so important that instead of telling us other details about who Enoch was or what he did, we're told within three verses, two things in a row. The same thing twice in a row, I should say. That is that Enoch walked with God. Just say that with me so that we, we, we take it home with us this week. Enoch walked with God. You know, we could skip quickly skip over that and keep going, but I think there's a reason that, that God puts something on repeat like that, right? When scripture says something twice that fast, we should probably pay attention. Enoch didn't just live by faith. He walked with the Almighty. You know, it's one thing to know something about God. It's one thing to know about God's word, to talk about God, to think about God, to study 
his character, go to Bible studies. It's another thing entirely different, I think, to walk with him. In fact, the last time we saw someone walking with God uh, was in the Garden of Eden before the fall, right? I mean, this is quite a unique moment. And as one scholar wrote, he said, Enoch didn't just walk by faith, he lived his life in communion with God. How does one walk with the Lord? I mean, particularly around when the world around us has gone corrupt. Let's just do two things. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, first, let's look at what it is to walk apart from God. And then let's talk about what it means to walk with God. So I think sometimes we can learn about what something is by also noticing what it certainly is not, right? So let's just begin with the negative. What does it mean to walk apart from God? Because we know in the context of our day, we see that all the time, right? There's another mysterious character in the first uh, chapters of Genesis, Genesis 4, who was contemporaries with Enoch. His, his name was Lamech. And Lamech and Enoch were technically family. I mean, you might call them distant cousins. And I say that because Enoch and Lamech made up the seventh generation of Adam's lineage. Born from different fathers, of course, but stay with me here. Let's, let's do a deep dive. Enoch came from the line of Seth. And we're told that Seth, who was one of the sons of Adam was faithful and true. Meanwhile, Lamech, he comes from the lineage of Cain. And you'll remember from last week, Cain was the first murderer in history. And so both these men, they represent the seventh generation of their family history, but not only the seventh generation of their lineage, they also represent the seventh generation ever to exist on earth. But when it came to Lamech and his walk, you might say the apple didn't fall far from the family tree because Lamech is essentially the rubber stamp of his forefather, Cain. Look at how, look at how he lives into the legacy of the, the shadows before him. Look at this in Genesis 4.23. I've killed a man, he says, a young man for wounding me and striking me. If Cain's revenge was sevenfold, mine is 77-fold. So a man hits you, wounds you, and you kill him. And now you're boasting. How does one walk with God? See, here's at least a caution for us. It seems to me that if we're going to walk with God, it might begin with us noticing what are the sinful patterns in my family history? And how have I, how have I wrongly stepped into those habits? As one scholar put it, he said this, he said, Lamech, by his own proclamation, is 10 times as proud, self-righteous, and murderous than Cain. So Adam takes the fruit, right? Sin enters the world. Cain, then he takes the sword. Murder enters the world. Lamech now takes the legacy of both and he leans into his own demise. If Enoch walked with God, Lamech walked apart from God. And here's the reason that I start here. Without the Holy Spirit, all of us have the very unique ability to be Lamech. You know, maybe it's not murder, but I feel like we all have some sort of generational sin, if you look back, that, that has led us, all of us, to this, this outcome of repeating history. And the consequence, whether we realize it or not, ultimately, every time, it will lead us to death. 
See, we need to hear this. We need to remember this. There is no medical advancement or or superior technology that's going to cure us of that illness within us. There's no algorithm or genetic biology that can fix the brokenness of a fallen nature and a fallen world that leads us to death. Your life expectancy, even if it doubles or triples or quadruples, still has an end date. Because ultimately, the wages of our sin is death. And to walk that path is to walk the path of destruction that you and I inherited towards death's door. Romans 6.23 tells us. Lamech chooses to walk wrongly and proudly, not with God, but by his own arrogance, his own licentiousness, and pride. But then comes Enoch. And Hebrews tells us Enoch lived his life by faith. And then you turn to Genesis and you get even more clarity. We're told Enoch walked with God. So let's think about what, what is it to walk with God? What does that look like? I mean, anybody have a hiking buddy? Maybe you walk with someone in the neighborhood. What does it mean to walk alongside someone? Ronald McMillan wrote a, a book called The Faith That Endures. And in it, he talked about this mission trip overseas where he met this persecuted Chinese pastor named Ming Dao. And in their conversation, uh, Ming had a question for him. He said, Ronald, he said, how do you walk with God? How do you walk with God in your faith? Ronald, of course, being a pastor, was tri- quick on the trigger. He, he had all the Sunday school answers lined up. He said, well, I pray and study the word. And then, of course, I, I speak it, I teach it. And Ming Dao cut him off. He said, no, 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 no. He said, that's not, that's not how to walk with God. He said, to walk with God is to change your pace. To walk with God, you must change your stride. See, and this makes logical sense, right? You you cannot walk with someone up the M trail by sprinting ahead of them. The first thing we're gonna do if we're gonna live by faith and walk with God is we've gotta slow down and learn to match his step. You know, it's interesting to me, our scripture doesn't say and he sprinted with God or he, he rushed with God or he was dashing. He was called to walk with God because walking with anyone means your pace needs to change. You cannot walk with God if you're out in front of him ignoring him. You cannot walk with God if you fail to look for him. If you're off on your own in the bushes, off of his trail. Now, Enoch lived this life of pursuing the presence of Almighty and he was not Genesis says, for God took him. How does that work? God just takes a man from life to life everlasting. You know, if you turn back to our lesson in Hebrews, there's really, we're gonna, I'm gonna say there's two shoes that you might say Enoch wore as he practiced this daily walk with the Lord. Two shoes that he put on. Go back with me if you have your Bibles to 11.6 of Hebrews. And it tells us what this looks like. There's two shoes that he put on every day. The first is this. He drew, to draw near to God, to walk with God, he first needed to believe that he exists. Do you see that? The second, to walk alongside the Lord is to have faith then that he rewards those who seek him. Two shoes when walking with God. First, Enoch believed in the existence of God. Second, he then put his faith in the promise of his reward. So let's just start with the first one. If you're gonna walk with someone, the very first step must be that you acknowledge their existence in your midst, yes? You know, we live in a world 
We, we know a world that fails every day to acknowledge the existence of their creator, right? We know this. But just here's my take. I feel like as the church, we, we, we all too often fall into the same exact trap. I've shared this with before. It's worth sharing again. You know, sometimes I'll get in the car after a day's work on the, the way home and something will be on my mind. So I'll make a phone call to my wife, Jen, and she'll be, of course, busy with the girls and no answers. So then I'll, I'll call a family friend or a friend and, 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 of course, that goes to voicemail and I think no one wants to talk to me. And so I turn the radio on and try to listen for talk radio, nothing good's on. And it's like suddenly, finally, I turn it all off and sitting in that moment, it's almost as if God nudges me and goes, I'm still here. You want to talk to me? You know, how often do we go about our day forgetting in the simple existence that God is with us? As I said, operative faith, it changes the way we live. It changes what we see in the room. It changes how we speak, who we listen to, how we act. But if we fail to see him, how do we walk with him? Jeremiah 10, 12, I think it gives us really good description of, of who God is. Look at this. It says, it's he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of water in the heavens and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Now just ponder this with me. Do you believe that that's the God that walks with you? That by the same power of the Holy Spirit, this is the one who exists in your life. This is the God who answers your prayers. This is the one we trust to heal us, to give us wisdom, to move mountains. Or does he just exist on Sundays? As one church father said, he said, it's not so much what God is, that's important, but first you have to think about the fact that that God is. Without faith, our lesson tells us it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he exists. That's the first shoe. The second shoe that Enoch puts on as he's walking with God goes even deeper. He says to walk with God is to believe that he rewards those who seek him. Look at this quote from a, a church father. Look at this. It says this. No one embarks upon the sea and trusts himself to the deep and liquid element unless he first believes it's possible that he would have safe voyage. The farmer does not commit his seed to the furrows and scatter his grain on the earth unless he believes that the showers will come together with the sun's warmth, that the earth will produce and multiply, ripen its fruits. In essence, nothing in this life can be transacted if there is not first a readiness to believe. In other words, to walk by faith is not just to acknowledge and believe and put your trust in the fact that God is, in the, is with you in the room. It is also to continually trust that in walking with him, we will receive his promises. See, Enoch had this faith, right? And even though he had not met Jesus, that, he, he believed that this God rewards him in walking with the Lord. And here's where I bring this up, right? It seems to me, this is the most difficult part we have in living by faith. Let me just throw out a few thoughts here. Ephesians 1, 7, let's turn there. It tells us, by the blood of Christ, I've been set free and forgiven from my sin. 
You know, to, to hear that, I think that's one thing. To learn it, that's one thing. To believe it, that you have redemption in Jesus' name, that's an entirely different lifestyle, right? Or turn to James 1.12, tells us that you are blessed even under trial because yours is the crown of life that God has promised to you. To hear that, that's one thing, right? But to actually trust in that, that God will come through in the end, that's a different way of life. Romans 8, to hear that all things work together for the good of those who fear him. To actually live for that promise, that changes the pattern of our day. CBS News recently told a story about a 15-year-old boy named Jacob Smith. And Jacob's legally blind, has been since birth. And all he can see is like light and shadows and blur. Most of his vision is off. But Jacob loves to ski, in fact, Jacob loved skiing so much, he talked his parents into allowing him to compete against his peers. But Jacob doesn't do the downhill slalom stuff. That's too easy. Jacob's a freestyler. He likes the trees and the moguls and the cliffs. Here's how Jacob pulls us off. His brother helps him up the mountain, gets him off the lift, and then his father stands at the base with binoculars and a two-way radio to Jacob. And as his father watches his son begin to make his way down the hill, he coaches him at every turn. His father said to the press that the most difficult part of this job is that if he gives the wrong counsel, in some areas, his son will literally go off the cliff. See where I'm going with this? The only way that Jacob can ski is by trusting in the promises that his father has made to him. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. See, and I'm convinced in this moment, right? Enoch was walking so closely with the Lord, I feel like he probably didn't even notice his translation. Enoch walked with God. He believed in the existence of Almighty. He put his faith in the reward. And then it came. So let's just bring this home as we wrap this up. Let's think about what does this mean for us? Let me just ask this. When was the last time you stopped to ponder just who it is that we're living for and what it is that he's promised us. What if this week we just kept it that simple? Who is it that is in the room with me right now and what is the promise that he's made for me? Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, yet shall he live. Promised in 1 Thessalonians that those of us who are alive when Jesus returns will be taken up from life to life everlasting. This week, here's, here's our encouragement from God's word. We're promised, we're, we're, we're promised this, this gift by God and called not just to walk by faith, but to walk with God to trust in his existence in our life and to live in the promise of his reward for those who seek him. And when we do that, right? When, when we live into that, we give this witness of the gospel to a world still lost with Cain's and Lamech's. By faith, Enoch was taken up so they should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. Pray with me, will you? God, we just acknowledge the moments in our lives, Lord, where we have forgotten that you are with us. Where we have set aside the promises that you have made to us that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And Lord, where we have doubted in trial, struggle to fully trust in you. So God, we look to Enoch and we just ask, would you help us to walk with you? Where we remember that in the Garden of Eden, it was, it was meant to be that way, that, that you would dwell among us and we would walk along your side. So God, we pray this week, help us to see and be aware and to acknowledge your existence in our midst. And Lord, then give us the faith to trust in the promises that you have made to us. Lord, and by that witness, we pray others would see who you are and whose we are and that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen.